This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. I didn't see you there. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, as always, Shane Tolt. Very good to have you on this fine Tuesday and or Wednesday, depending on when the dang file decides to upload. Uh, No, I had a little bit of trouble over the last couple weeks. New platform, but everything is coming up at Millhouse on this episode. Great episode, by the way. Patrick Miranda of Movements is here, a newer band, but a band with just about as much hype as anybody right now. They're selling out tours, they're on the main stage at Warp Tour, they're putting out modern classics of records. It really was great having Patrick on, a guy that I met actually on a bit of a different kind of tour. We met last year, both opening up for Good Charlotte, which, uh, You know, to be honest, Silverstein, I don't know if we had a lot of business on that tour, and maybe movements didn't either, but regardless, it was a lot of fun. And I, for one, wouldn't change a thing. Before we get all up in that, I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. If you like the show, please tell a friend, tell a loved one, write a review on iTunes, go back, listen to old episodes. I got like 130 of them to listen to. Check out our sponsor, rockabilia.com. More about that in a little while. And feel free to get in touch with me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my email. I try to get back to everybody. Add us on Facebook as well. Just type in a search. We're doing all kinds of things on there. We had a great meme Monday this week. So yes, check us out on all those things and feel free to get in touch with me. Also, be sure to check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. I know I talk about it every week. It is what keeps the lights on around here. All I ask is you head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash access for as little as $6 a month. It gets you in bonus content, bonus episodes, Q&A sessions, merchandise, all this other stuff for as little as $6 a month. leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. 
What's happening with me, you ask? Well, I had an interesting incident happen to me. I was recording a podcast with a hardcore legend, Dwid of Integrity, and I'm recording the podcast in a hotel room. It's going great. Dwid's awesome. We start talking about some government stuff. We start talking about how they're watching us, some stuff about the old school Catholic Church. I hear a little pop in my recorder. Recorder turns off. I'm like, what the hell? And a battery exploded in my recorder. Battery acid all over the hotel bed. I haven't had a battery explode on me since the 1980s. So that was weird. But now I have a brand new recorder. Shout out to Zoom, I guess. <laughs> and hopefully I can finish up with Dwid. I do have like 32 minutes of a podcast. So you will hear it at some point, I'm sure. But I think Dwid is going to call me back and we're going to finish it up. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had a battery explode? Literally, the last time it happened was in a toy pinball game I had, probably in 1987. The struggle is real, my friends. Never forget. But here I am, week after week, putting this shit out and loving every minute of it. If you need merch, head over to rockabilia.com. They are the best in the business. They have over a half million officially licensed items from the band. The bands are getting paid. You're getting this sick swag. They got absolutely everything. So head over to rockabilia.com. Use promo code PCJabberJaw and save 15% off your order today. Anyway, let's jump in to this week's episode of my conversation with Movement's frontman, Mr. Patrick Miranda. Yo, man. How's it going? Dude, it's well, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Dude, nice to, awesome. Nice to hear from you, man. I, I feel like I haven't... I guess I haven't talked to you or seen you since Warp Tour. Yeah, it's been just about a year now. Yeah, it's crazy. It, and I, I saw one of those things um, you know, posted on uh, fucking Instagram or something, and it was like, 30 days till Warp Tour. I'm like, holy shit, that came up fast, man. It did. It's crazy. I can't believe that there's like, I, I think it's like we're down to like almost three weeks now. Yeah. We warped, which is just insane. It it really did come up so fast. Absolutely. And what are your feelings like, like knowing in three weeks you're going to be back on the grind, back in the bandwagon or bus or whatever you're traveling in? You know, I know you guys did the whole warp Tour last year, so it's like, here we go again. What's your, what are your general feelings dude i'm honestly really really excited i had a i had such a fucking awesome time last year like i wasn't sure if i was gonna dig it or not and Mm -hmm. and i honestly like there's just nothing like warp tour you know like there isn't no it was probably the most fun i've had on a tour like period you know we we made like so many awesome new friends and like just got to hang out every single day and it's literally like how everybody always described it to me because everybody was like oh dude it's so sick it's like you know uh it's like summer camp for for punk like rock, band members. punk rock summer camp dude yeah yeah absolutely it was, dude it was so cool you know just like just hanging out with everybody every single day and like um honestly like i love being in a wagon because we tour um just in a 15 passenger van like yeah. all year and so like being able to like be 
in something with like nice bunks and like a shower and a bathroom. <laughs> it's like, honestly, like it's, it's kind of like luxury to me. Not totally. that, not that Warp Tour is a very luxurious tour because it's definitely pretty grueling and, and, you know, some days you're definitely like miserable, but you know, <laughs> exactly. overall, overall dude, like I'm really, really pumped to do it again. So well, that's right. And it's, it's interesting too. I always feel, you know, when, and my band has done Warp Tour so many times, mm-hmm. it's always like when you, you're leading up to it, I have the same feeling as you, like I get really excited about it. But then when I break it down, I think about the pros and the cons. I'm like, the only pros really are like, well, the shows are pretty sick, I guess. And the, hang, <laughs> the hangs are pretty fun. But like everything else is such a pain in the ass. And every time we finish Warp Tour, I'm like, never doing that again. Forget yeah. it. Never again. And then somehow they talk us into it again. Yeah. Are you guys on, on the tour this year? We are doing eight shows. So we're, okay. we're doing um, uh, Ohio... Uh, both Ohio dates, Detroit, Toronto, Scranton, Buffalo, New York, and Boston. Okay, so, cool. so we'll, we'll be we'll be hanging. I'm sure. Um, it yeah. was it was cool. You know, last year I feel like it was a really good vibe and a really good kinship you guys had over on the full sale stage. Uh, you know, with some other bands like Knocked Loose. Um, <laughs> And uh, shit, who else was over there? There's a bunch of a bunch of great, you know, kind of younger bands. Yeah, trophy eyes, trophy Boston eyes, Manor. exactly. And um, this year, you know, you guys have moved up to the Journeys, you know, main stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big jump and a big kind of boost. Is that something you're excited about? Some having some maybe some anxiety about? What, oh, what's dude, the what's the feeling I, there? I mean, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of both. You know, yeah, like sure. It's kind of crazy um, going from, you know, obviously the smallest stage to the biggest yeah. stage you can play. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, yeah, man, there, obviously, I, I mean, I'm so, so pumped because, you know, I don't think any of us really expected um, that jump right away. You know, like we, we didn't even really expect to get the offer for Warped again. And, and when we did get it and when we saw that it was for main stage, we were kind of just like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, obviously, I'm so stoked because I, um, you know, I, I think that Warped Tour did really, really well for us last year because we were able to um, engage so many new fans that might not have been able to hear our music otherwise. Um, and I'm sure that that's just going to be multiplied being on a main stage. You know, there's so many people that are constantly walking by and, and could just have the potential to hear our band and, and you know, maybe be into it. Like, sure. I'm so stoked for that. but. At the same time, I'm I'm super nervous because, you know, being on the full sale stage, if you pull, you know, 50 kids in a city, it's going to look decent because it's the full sale <laughs> stage. Yeah. You know, if you're on a main stage and you have 50 people in your crowd, it's going to be like, oh, yikes, like that's, well, that's bad. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen to you guys. I mean, yeah, I mean uh, you guys have come I a long so. way in a year. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you have definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I obviously like, I want to I want to be optimistic about it, but something about like those, you know, those markets in like the middle of the country where no one really shows up. I'm just like I'm freaking out a little bit about those. Right. No, I know. I know what you're saying. Like when you play when you play Jacksonville on a Tuesday or or, or Indianapolis exactly. on a Wednesday or something like that. And I I don't know. Don't quote me on the schedule. I don't have it memorized. But there always right. are those 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 slower days. But. Uh, Hey, you know, you make the best of it the same way that any tour is going to have, you know, a, a little bit of a lull during the week in a smaller, a smaller city. Every tour has that. Yeah, totally. Unless you guys are headlining, then you're selling out like literally 
27 out of 29 shows or something. Which yeah. uh, congratulations on that, by the way, Dude, for a, for a you, first man. headliner. That was very very impressive to see. That I, I mean, honestly, like it was crazy, actually mind blowing. Like we we were so stoked. I, I I'm just, I still can't believe it. Actually, like <laughs> I I have um. It's funny. I have like the the tour poster like um, framed, just like hanging in my in my apartment, just because. It's like our first headline. Yeah, I was like really, really proud of it. Sure. And every time I look at it, I'm just like, I can't fucking believe that we did that. <laughs> like, it just it blows my mind because none of us ever thought that our band was going to be capable of doing something like this. So it's just weird, man. It's so weird, but it's awesome. It is. It is awesome. And and you know, obviously that was something that just happened. And before you know that that's that's post Warp Tour. You know, last year mm-hmm. and everything. And now you have some headlining experience, I feel. Um, going into this tour, now being a main stage warped act, do you feel more like you need to put on sort of like a headline style show rather than when you're on the full sale stage, almost like that's almost like a support slot? Does, and, and as a front man, does that put some pressure on you to kind of do more? You know, that's, it's kind of, that's kind of an interesting question because I don't, necessarily think that there's much of a difference between our support like tour sets and our headlining sets other than the fact that it's longer (laughs) yeah of course i feel like for the most part like it's we kind of do the same thing um it it is definitely like a little more um I, i i guess there is a little bit of pressure on me just because um i have to like engage a lot more people and and i think warp tour especially there's like a certain degree of like needing to um what's the word that i'm looking for here uh i guess put on a little bit more of like that typical front man vibe just because i think that's what those kids like need you know like that like that world like needs that engagement and like that kind of like Yo, like, get off your feet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck is up, Las Cruces? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, you know, like a little bit more like, um, I guess just energy overall is is probably like the main difference. Sure, sure. But but ultimately, like I said, I don't I don't think that there's there's a whole lot that's different in in our headlining sets versus our our uh, support sets. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's just, yeah, it's something I, that I never really thought about either. Like, you know, trying to compare the side stages on warp tour as like supporting and, and the main stages as headlining. But in some ways there is, there is sort of elements uh, of that. I think that you do see, you know, because people are coming to see those bands on the main stage and now they're coming to see your band. So yeah, congratulations totally. on, on all that. Thanks, what, man. what happened in Berkeley and Minnesota? Just not, just not a big, not a lot of movement fans, movements fans oh, in those oh, the cities. Only, the, the only two dates that didn't sell out. That's right. You know, what's, what's interesting is like, <laughs> is that Berkeley though was like still one of the best shows. Right, the right. It, like it, it, there was still, I mean, I think the venue itself was maybe like 500 cap. And I, and I think we were just shy of 500. We were at like <laughs> four... I don't know. Maybe let's 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 call it four forty. I don't know for right. sure if that was yeah if that was sixty 
60 tickets is too many to buy the rest, but but whenever we're close, we just buy the rest of the tickets. Oh, yeah. Just so you, can, <laughs> just so you have like the, the, just so you can say, oh, it's sold out. That's a, yeah, that's a thing. I'm sure people are, are thinking I'm joking listening to this, but that's absolutely a thing. Like, because, you know, the business side of it, you know, is when you're, when you're about to sell at a show, typically like you're already into what's called back end or, or points, meaning like you're already making more money than you're guaranteed. I know, right. you, I know you know this, Patrick, but I'm explaining yeah. <laughs> to the to the people. So, so what actually happens is a lot of times you'll get 85 to 90 percent of the ticket price back, anyways, right? So you can, mm-hmm. if there's like 12 tickets left, you can buy you can buy them and then get 85 percent of the ticket price back, and then say you had a sold out show, uh, you know, or whatever. So that's that's uh, that's the way to do it if you want to keep those sold out lines straight across your uh, your framed poster that's hanging in your uh, in your office. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I wish that they were all sold out, but you know, it is what it is. Ah, It keeps it a little more, it keeps it a little more human, right? There there you go. You you don't want to get too high on yourself. Uh, well, I want to go back. Uh, I want to go back to the early days of, of Patrick Miranda before you had any idea you were going to be able to headline tours and sell them out. Cause I'm sure you had no idea this was going to happen to you growing up in, in California. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me about a little bit about what your family structure was like when you were, you know, um, growing up. Did you have brothers and sisters? How did that work in your household? And, uh, and, and how, how did music kind of affect you? Yeah. I, so I have, um, I have three older sisters, one who is like my full sister and then two that are half sisters. Uh-huh. Um, so my, my half sisters are quite a lot older than I am. Um, they're like, they were already like, you know, doing their own things and, and having their own families and stuff when I was growing up. So, um, wow, it was mostly just, uh, me and my sister, like in our childhood. Cause she's, she's two years older than I am. Right. Um, so yeah, she's, she's like my main sibling and, and she's super musically inclined. Um, my mom, I, we, we both get it from my mom. Like my mom's whole side of the family were extremely musical. My mom was like, um, a singer and like played bass in a rock band in college and <laughs> nice. um, was just like a cool, like rock and roll chick. And then like my grandma, um, my mom's mom was an opera singer back wow. in the day. So wow. yeah, I come, I come from a pretty musical family. Um, my mom plays piano and stuff as well. And so like, we always like had instruments in our house, like, um, keyboards and pianos and, um, I, I was like, I played, I started music by playing violin, like really in, in like elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> I it's was a tough, never it's very, a tough instrument. Yeah, no, I was never, I was never good at it, but I, I tried. <laughs> um, sure. but, uh, yeah, the only person in my family who wasn't really musically inclined is my dad. Um, but yeah, like we were, um, throughout school and stuff. Like I said, I, I, I did orchestra in elementary school and then, I started singing in middle school. So I was probably like, I want to say like 10 or 11 when I like started to get an interest in being a singer. Um, so I joined like the middle school choir and then I just loved that. So I continued with choir through high school. Oh, wow. Um, and choir was actually like the, probably like the biggest thing for me as you, as a musician, because one, it taught me, how to use my voice the right way. You know, like I have an actual classical singing background. 
Um, and two, which is very it, rare for what you do. Not, most oh, people totally. have, do not have that, but yeah, go on. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, a lot of, for, for, you know, the, most of the bands that I've talked to, I feel like the singers have little to no training at all, which is absolutely, uh, I mean, crazy. And some of them are, are, you know, still really, really good, um, totally. singers, which is, which blows my mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have, I have that classical music background, um, and not only that, but my, my choir teacher was like one of the most influential people in my life because he's just um, this amazing dude. His name's Keith Hancock, and he was actually um, the winner of the Music Educators Grammy. Um, not this oh, wow. last Grammy Awards, but the, the Grammys before that. He won the Music Educators Award, and that's like extremely, extremely prestigious in, in the world of being a music teacher. Sure. Um, uh, but just a super, super cool dude and uh, just a great teacher. Our our choir was literally like a second family. Like every single kid in the class was just so close. And um, it just gave this really strong like teamwork, camaraderie, uh, like aspect, you know, to my life. And um, yeah, it, it was awesome, man. That was like really what I think kickstarted my um, wanting to be a career musician. Right. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of like it growing up and so that, and, so, in, so this is in high school, you were like, so this is in high school when this all happened. Did you go to a really big high school? I did. Yeah. There was, um, just under a thousand kids in my graduating class. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't have schools like that in Canada. Jeez. Yeah. It was really, really fucking big. That's crazy. And what was what were you like in high school? Were you did you kind of keep to yourself? Did you were you one of the popular kids? Because because like you know I, I always hear like I watched used to watch the movies you know about how there's like the jocks and there's the nerds and there's the the you know punk kids and the goth kids and like in in my when I went to high school it wasn't really like that. Like I, I played basketball and and then I was also like you know like like I guess one of the punk kids and we didn't have like these 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 tears but i imagine in a high school like that that absolutely like the cliche does ring true oh it it's per, it's definitely true and, and i was the furthest thing from a popular kid um, <laughs> you know i had my small group of of friends and we were like the the quote-unquote emo kids okay you know and the and, emos yeah right yeah and, and honestly like i got i got bullied a lot in school um school was like really really tough for me um just because uh, yeah, I, I just wasn't like, you know, the, the popular kids and the jocks and stuff like they just would pick on me and my group of friends just because, you yeah. know, just cause they could. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was tough, man. But again, choir was one of those like safe havens for me where it's like, it didn't matter like who you were or what you were like everybody in choir is a choir kid. And so like, that was really the only thing that like kept me wanting to like go to school. If it weren't for my choir being such a big part of my life, I probably would have like either dropped out or like done some sort of continuation school somewhere. Right. Yeah. But, but it was, it was different, man. Like I was definitely a different person back then. I think I was a lot more, um, I I was a lot less confident back then and I was definitely more like closed off and, and quiet for the most part, unless, Unless it was with people that I was really comfortable around. But, like, I was terrified of public speaking, you know? Like, anytime <laughs> I had to get up in front of people, I would, like, have the most, like, overwhelming anxiety. And I'd be shaking and, and freaking out just because I was so nervous to be in front of people. 
And so it's interesting to see myself now, like I have no problem talking in front of big crowds or, or performing in front of big audiences just because it's so normal now. Right. So, so you yeah, never, you still don't get nervous like that, that first day of Warped Tour when you go up on the main, st- main stage, you're not going to feel def- nerves. I'll definitely have like some butterflies, but yeah. it'll be nothing compared to like what it used <laughs> to be. Like if, if high school me was like, Hey, like high school me, you're about to go play in front of, you know, a thousand some people on main stage Warped Tour, I'd probably throw up. Like, like now, like when it comes down to it before our set, I'm going to be like, Ooh, I have some butterflies in my stomach. But at the same time, our first day of Warped Tours in Pomona, which is our hometown show. Oh yeah. So so I know it's going to be fucking insane. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's cool. So did you, um, how did you, I mean, we're talking about choir, choir music and stuff, but you do say, you know, you were like an emo kid. What kind of music were you listening to back then? And I assume that this is kind of what was shaping you know, the influences for, for, for movements. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, so my, my interest in, in like this sort of world, um, started when I was in middle school still, I was in like eighth grade when I started listening to like emo music, if that's what you want to call it. I mean, it was a wide variety of things, but, um, like it's funny cause like the first bands that like got me into it were, um, and not to like not to gas you up or anything but like <laughs> like Silverstein was was really big for me when I first heard like you know my heroine and and smile in your sleep I was like oh my fucking god like this nice. is amazing nice um, so like yeah like Silverstein was big for me um red jumpsuit apparatus under oath um honestly like early bring me the horizon like the really like deathcore heavy stuff yeah yeah um gosh what else I'm trying to trying to remember um, obviously like more emo bands like my chem, some fallout boy, like early fallout boy. Um, and, and how that, did you, how did you hear about all these bands? Was it just like through friends or was it like um, MySpace? Actually. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would go on MySpace music and I would just like go to each little tab. Cause you know, back in the day it like had, you know, like it divided by genre. So like rock or like punk and then, uh, I forget like the other ones. I think Screamo was one of the, one of the genres (laughs) and it would just give you all the top artists in those respective genres. And I would just go through and like listen to each one. And if I liked it, I would, um, back then like iPods and stuff were super popular and I would ask for iTunes gift cards every year for Christmas. Yeah, of course. So I just had like a stockpile of iTunes gift cards. And then if I found a band that I like, I would like go and buy a few songs from them on iTunes and then put it on my iPod. And that's what I would listen to like at school and stuff. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there was a bunch. I'm, I, I can't remember everybody that I used to listen to now, but that was definitely like my start into like, you know, emo music or, or whatever, because before then all, all the music that I listened to was just either what my parents were listening to on the radio or what my sister was listening to. And my sister was super into like show tunes and like (laughs) really like stupid music. (laughs) And so I had like the worst music taste until that point. Well here and here we are now. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, how did, how did you get involved with, um, you know, I know you were, you were pretty young still, you know, when you got involved with movements and I know it's your first band, so how did you start getting into, okay, I, I want to meet people. I want to just, you know, form a band and a rock band and start singing. How did yeah, that happen? So in, in high school, when I was like 13 or 14, I was like, 
saying like I want to play music, you know, like I really want to like do something, but I didn't really have the capability of doing it because I just like I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't really have like very many friends who were um, you know, I guess super into like the same music that I right. was into. Um but I actually met our bass player Austin cuz he was a choir kid as well. So I met him um, like my sophomore year of high school and he was like also really into like punk and uh, all the bands that I liked and everything. And I was like, dude, like, no way you like these bands. And he was like, yeah. And so <laughs> when we were young and stuff, we were like, yeah, let's like try and form a band. And so we had this really, really bad, like, I don't consider it my first band because it was just terrible. But like we had this like garage band where we would play like, shitty pop punk music and like do a cover and like it was just it was really dumb like we never did anything with it um but that was like my first experience with like being in a band what were you guys called did you have a great like a great shitty name um (laughs) we did but i don't tell anybody what it was because the music is still online (laughs) (laughs) and i i don't want anybody to ever find it because it's so so bad oh my god Um, so so we'll just we'll leave it at it was one of those band names where you just name it after like the street that you guys like formed on you know i'm gonna hire a private investigator and i'm gonna figure this out (laughs) so it's it's just it's literally just like the name of a street in our area and it's just it's really dumb but anyway (laughs) so we formed that band and like Austin's a couple of years older than me. So like he obviously graduated, he was doing his own thing, going to college and whatnot. And I was still in high school. So that band kind of stopped. Um, and then when I went, when I graduated and I went to college, like I was studying documentary film. Uh, I really wanted to be a documentary filmmaker slash like photojournalist, awesome. which I still want, I still want to do, you know, eventually I'd like to go back and get my degree once I'm done being, you know, a touring musician and whatever. But you know, I was studying. You're never going to be like, done, dude. You're never going to be done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Those that's sold out tours are going to continue, I'm afraid. Get ready. That would be sick. That would be fucking <laughs> sick. Um, but yeah, so like I was, I was studying and I was just kind of like, damn, dude, like I'm not really digging this, you know, like I, I, that's not true. I did like what I was learning and it was definitely like cool because I did have a passion for it, but I was just like, I felt like I was being called to do something else, you know? Yeah. And I, I knew that like, I wasn't going to be completely satisfied unless I was doing something that was related to music because I was just like, so invested in like music being such a big part of my life, you know? And so I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to drop out of school. I'm going to try and start this band. Like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, I'm young and I've got time to fuck it up and I'm just going to go for it. And so, um, yeah, I dropped out. I hit up Austin. I was like, Hey dude, like, I don't know what you're doing in life, but let's (laughs) like, let's try and actually start a real band. And we did. (laughs) And here we are. And here you are like only a few short years later. Which is yeah. which is probably the most I think the most interesting thing, uh, you know, in your in your career is just how quickly this all seemed to happen. Um, you know, I, I read that you were signed literally after playing one show. Yeah, yeah. It, which I is mean, just was, like I, I I can't even fathom how that happens, dude. It's crazy. I know. Like it, like I I still like think about it, and I'm like, 
fuck, that's crazy. You know, like the fact that that a record label, let alone like a record label that's actually reputable, you oh, know, very reputable. The, I mean, the uh, fact uh, that probably the the top like the biggest one right now, like you know, probably Fearless yeah, Records you know, like, is killing it. The fact that any record label was like willing to take a chance on a band that has put out one fucking single or actually i think at that point we had three singles out but but you know what i mean you know like it's it's wild it's crazy and the funny thing is too like um we had actually gotten an email from the a and r at fearless um and it had just been sitting in our inbox we were really really bad about checking our emails back then (laughs) and it, it literally sat in our inbox for like a few weeks before we realized holy fuck there's a record label hitting us up um, Bands so, listening to this, make sure you check in your inboxes, okay? Yeah, check, go check it right now. Seriously, go check. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I mean, it was like we we were all kind of just like dumbfounded. Obviously, yeah. we all we all had a good feeling about the band to begin with. You know, we always knew like it had the potential to be something special, but none of us could have ever imagined that it was going to happen as quickly as it did. Um, and and for that, like, we're just like. So so thankful. But how and, how old were you at this point when this uh, happened? I was nineteen. Nineteen years old. It's yeah. just crazy that you know. Not only um, I mean, is it that you're so young, but you know, you say you played in like a couple shitty, not serious bands. But you know, a lot of times, what happens with with bands that get signed quickly is they. It's kind of like their second go around. Like they've yeah. already had like sort of a a career that they've kind of fucked up. You know, because because like no one knows really knows what they're doing. So somebody like they went in and they just you know they made a bunch of kind of mistakes and then they were like, okay, clean slate, start a new new project with some other people that also kind of fucked up their other bands, and then boom, right. here we are. And then after yeah, like it can happen quickly in that case. But you guys never right. had that. You guys, I mean, no. maybe some of the other guys were in other bands, but you as the front man, <laughs> you weren't. You were never in anything else. It's it's right. really really quite quite crazy. No, totally. And, and the other guys were in some other bands, but none of them were ever in like really serious bands. That's the thing, you know, it was like they were yeah. in just local bands that would play local shows and, you know, that was kind of it. Like they would record music mostly. It was mostly just hobby bands because none of those bands were ever really seriously being considered by any record labels or really ever had like that much of an opportunity, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's weird because we were all kind of thrown into this with – almost zero idea what we were doing, you know? Well, of course not. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, it, it was, it, it was really, really insane. And it still is really insane to think about. Well, that's the thing, man. I like, like I always feel with the music industry, you know, the more you, the more you learn, the less, you know, Right. and, and it's like, you know, you're only, how old are you now, Patrick? I, I'm 22. I'll be 23 uh, this oh, summer. Yeah. So yeah. So you, we're talking about only three years since you've been, you know, signed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I assume when you got signed, you probably knew nothing about the music industry. Oh, like you, you you knew that all. a record label would sign a band and put out a record. But I mean, like, because I'm just I'm just going with my own experience because I was about the same. I was actually a little bit older than you when I got signed, but I didn't really understand like the importance of a booking agent. Like I didn't right. really understand that. I didn't know how tours were put together, like how there's a headlining band and then there's support and how the support bands get on those tours and and how merch 
I know merchandise works in terms of like all that stuff and contracts and right. then there's publishing and you know and all that stuff like you must still be learning about how that oh, all works 100 percent, dude I, i'm learning new stuff because like, i'm still learning and i'm 37 yeah dude i i learn new things about how our band works in this world <laughs> literally all the time and my thing is too i'm really really bad about like like I guess like remembering how everything works exactly. Cause it's just, there's so many moving parts and like, you know, like so many different people who do different things and, uh, different, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know assets, I guess, but it's just, right. like, there's just so much that, that, that goes into being a band and being signed to a label. And, um, it, like, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, try and stay out of like the business <laughs> side of things as much as possible because I just end up getting overwhelmed. It is over. <laughs> it is so overwhelming. It is so yeah, overwhelming. I, I let, um, Ira, our guitar player, he's like the business guy in the band. He like handles all of like the, like the TM stuff and, yeah. you know, like talking with like all the people that we need to talk to. And I'm just kind of like, all right, cool. You guys handle this. I'm going to design some merch. I'm going to sing. We're good. <laughs> Right, so you, you take on the artistic role, and I think that that's fine. I mean, every in a band, everybody needs you know needs their roles, their different roles, and I think that that's uh, that's great. So you guys have this this you know you come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, and I guess you immediately start. You guys quit what quit your day jobs, uh, drop out of school, get in the yeah. van. Is that what happened? I mean, we we tried to keep our jobs for as long as possible. Like I was working. Um, at first, I was working at Vans, uh, just like doing stockroom stuff at Vans, which was sick. I mean, I actually really, really enjoyed working there. Um, and then the rest of the guys, like uh, Austin was like – Austin had like a desk job at like some uh, graphic design firm. Um, mm-hmm. Ira was working at Trader Joe's. Our drummer, Spencer, was like a security guard at like um, – like a gated community. <laughs> okay. so, yeah. So like, that's literally like, that was like all of our, our gigs and stuff. And we would right. just try and like, cause at first when we started touring, it was pretty short tours just here and there, like two weeks, you know, this time it will be, then we'd be home for like a couple months and then we'd go out for another few weeks and then we'd be home for a couple months. So it was just like, we would have to talk to our jobs and be like, Hey, can we like go do this? please. <laughs> and, and they would either be like, yeah, or they'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> so I was the first person to quit my job. Um, well actually, so Vans was totally cool with me, like going on tours and stuff, but I, nice. I left, I left Vans to do, um, I was working at a photography studio, like that was just better pay and stuff. And the photography studio, they were like, no, you can't, you can't leave for that long. Like we just, we can't, we need you here. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to quit then. So yeah. I quit that job. And so that was like big for me. Cause I was like, oh shit. Like I'm really, I'm really doing, you're really this. doing like, this. This is real. Um, this is real. And then like one by one, we all like started like leaving our jobs and, and just focusing on the band full time. Um, and now we're at the point where all of us just do this, you yeah. know? And, yeah. um, thankfully like my parents um well my mom was really really supportive throughout all of it my dad took some convincing he definitely 
was like not super into me dropping out of school and yeah. leaving a job be- to well, do. That's understandable. Music. I mean, you know, especially yeah, if he's like, the one that's not as musically inclined. You know, totally. he doesn't have that. He didn't never had the dream like like you know like your mom might have had. You know. Yeah, totally. And, and honestly, like my dad and I like had kind of like a rough relationship growing up anyway. So right. like it was it was definitely tough for him to understand what I was doing. But um, they were really, really cool. Like when we first started out and, and um, they actually helped us finance our first van, um, which that is rules. great because like I was just like, holy shit, like because we, we bought a van um, on our first tour and it it lasted the first tour and then it died on us. And like <laughs> we were, we were in the middle of Minnesota driving home. Minnesota it, gets you again. Those bastards. Dude, I know those fucking <laughs> bastards, man. It broke down twice. We, we broke down once, got towed to a, to a repair place, got it fixed, left the next morning, drove for two hours, broke down again, Right. still in Minnesota and then had to get towed again. And it was a whole damn thing. So once that van was like just completely done, my parents were like, "All right, we'll help you out with this one." And yeah, so. so being from being from California, Southern California, um, you must not have dealt with any kind of weather or driving in that. When you guys first started touring, and uh, uh, we, I mean, we did Canada together with Good yeah. Charlotte, and yeah. that was that was sort of in the spring. But I, as I recall, we still had some pretty bad weather. How no, was dude, that? that? That must have been a big adjustment for you guys. You yeah, guys must have been pretty I, terrified. I was just about to say that was that tour with Good Charlotte in Canada was our first experience with like super gnarly, gnarly weather. Yeah, like, in the mountains. Because we stuff. actually, yeah, when we were when we were just about to go like through Thunder Bay, we yeah, got snowed yeah. in and and had to like stay at this motel for a night because there was just no way we could get on the roads. Like we were literally sliding, like, and oh. we would only be going like 10, 15 miles an hour, and the roads were so icy that you would just like slide all the time it was fucking terrifying so um that was definitely uh, an interesting experience but um we've gotten pretty good at at dealing with weather now i think you know we've been doing this for a few years now and it's um definitely i still think that is number one like the scariest uh weather experience we've had but overall you know we we tend to be pretty careful you know like we we don't drive super fast in general if we see that it's going to be snowy somewhere, like we'll either wait it out or like try and find alternate yeah. routes and that sort of thing. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've definitely been super lucky living in California and not having to deal with, with weather. <laughs> totally. Well, we, we worked with um, producer Cameron Webb, who's from Newport beach. You know, he did a, a bunch of our records and our, yeah. our fourth record. We, we, you know, we did one record with him in California and then we wanted to do our fourth record in Canada. We had a studio here and, uh, you know, it was all, it was all done and everything. And, and, and we had like a car rented for him and everything. And he called us like, you know, a couple of days before he was supposed to fly out. And he's like, I don't think I can do the driving. Like I've never <laughs> driven in snow or anything. Like I'm, just, I'm, I'm terrified. Oh my gosh. And, and we're like, oh, you know, you just go slow and it's like not too bad. And wouldn't you know, like the day he landed was one of the worst snowstorms of my entire life. No way. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. And it was, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Like he was pretty terrified and we, we did drive him a couple times and you know, Dang. a kid from Newport beach that's like, you know, never traveled North. Like what do yeah. you expect? You know, I take it for granted living where I live. Well, not, I don't know about taking it for granted, but you know, it's uh, uh, something I've just dealt with my whole life. So I always, I always wonder when, when bands are from 
nice places, you know, how, how they, uh, how they deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a trip. It's, it's, uh, I'm actually really happy that I've gotten to experience it though, because I feel like I'm definitely more, um, I don't know, more equipped for, for my life now. You know, if I'm ever in a position where I need to be driving somewhere in like a crazy snowstorm, it's like, okay, it's cool. I can handle this. I've done this in a trailer, in a van with a giant trailer behind it. Like it's all good. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, I mean, you, you've been very candid, uh, talking about your dealing with your own depression, um, and your, your OCD, you know, diagnosis and stuff that's, that's happened to you. Um, but you know, it's the kind of thing like I've toured with you and I've seen you around and stuff like you you are definitely able to function and, and cope with it at least outwardly. Mm-hmm. But it seems like inwardly you've you've really struggled with that. How how is that going for you now? Um yeah, man, it's it's definitely tough. You know, it's something that I've learned to deal with over the years and um especially uh after I was like um diagnosed with my OCD like it's it's tough and it's, it's, it's weird, but, um, like I'm on an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication that, um, like also is like sort of, uh, it like helps with like the OCD stuff, like the OCD um, symptoms and whatnot. So honestly, like after, after I got prescribed medication, which, which was big for me because for a long time I was kind of against being on any sort of, uh, drugs like to, yeah better my mental state because I just felt like I could do it all myself. Right. And it's, and it's kind of a scary thing, you know, you don't like there's side effects and you don't know what's going to happen, you know? And then some of them, like once you kind of get on them, it's like, if you want to get off them, it's really difficult. Yeah. So I can totally understand that. that, Absolutely. That's that's exactly what I was worried about is like, I've heard so many horror stories of people being like, Oh, I went on medicine and it just made me worse and all this stuff. Yeah. I was definitely really scared to do it. But at the same time I was like, if I don't do something about this, like I'm going to lose it, you know? Cause yeah. like at that point, like therapy just wasn't enough. So right. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I got prescribed a medication that actually, um, a, a new medication that, that this was actually about a year ago. So on warp tours when I got, um, prescribed, like right before is when I got prescribed the new one and it like changed my life honestly. And, and it's, it's crazy. Cause like, um, the guys were actually talking to me about it not too long ago, like a couple weeks ago. And they're like, dude, like you are a completely different person now in like the best way, you know, like before you would just like, we would never see you. You'd always be in your bunk. Like you'd always just be off by yourself. Like, and now you're just like, so like social and like, you're so much more like a part of the team and like right. all this stuff. And it's something that I didn't even really notice. Like, like it, so it was cool to hear it from them like people who are around me literally all day every fucking day you know to hear from them that like i have been making an actual like change in my personality was like really really uplifting because it it just gave me that extra like reassurance that like okay cool like what i'm doing is working so sure um, yeah man it's definitely you know like dealing with these sorts of things isn't easy and especially not like when you have to be in the public eye so much um, and when I'm constantly having to, you know, go out and talk to people and, and be social and be sort of like, um, 
I guess, sort of like a voice for a lot of the kids who look up to us for our music and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it does get overwhelming sometimes. And, and there have been times where I've just had to be like, hey, I like I need to like chill, you know, like I can't I can't go do all this right now. I just need to like take some time, regroup, like right. do my own thing for a little bit. And then I'll be okay. But, I think that hap- um, that's normal though. And that happens to everybody too. You know? Yeah. So yeah. that's a good thing. Um, has it, has it affected your, like in a, in a positive way affected, you know, performing and, and all that's that, that side of things. I mean, it must make a big difference. Yeah. I think, I think it has, I think that I've become a lot more confident in my performances yeah. now. I think when I first started out, I was very, worried about what people were going to think of our band and worried about how people were going to judge my performance, especially. And I mean, I'm still my own worst critic, but I think (laughs) back then I was really, really like, like overly conscious about what I was doing, everything from how I was singing to what I was saying in between songs to how I looked on stage, like my, my movements and my, and my like persona on stage, like, every little thing I would just obsess over and I would like freak out if it wasn't perfect, you know? And, and and, but the thing is it could never be perfect. And so I would just like, I would, man, I I would beat myself up so bad over like shitty nights, you know, because shitty nights happen on tour. They absolutely do. And like, it was just like, it was really bad. So I think now what I've noticed the most is just like, I'm just a lot more confident, you know, and, and if, if people don't like our music, like it doesn't bug me as much as it used to. Like if, if I have a shitty night and, and I'm worried that people are going to, you know, uh, like judge me for that. I'm just kind of like, whatever, you know, like it, it was one, it was one night. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think overall, like it's definitely, it's been good for me as a musician to be on a medication that's like kind of helping change the way I see the world and the way I see myself, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's good. And, and I think I, I applaud you for your honesty, you know, and, and saying Thanks, like just coming right out and saying it, yeah, I'm on this medication and, and having no qualms and not trying to hide it because, you know, I, I think it, it's constantly talked about, uh, you know, if you go on any social media or anything, they're always saying, let's, let's, you know, like there's a stigma. There shouldn't be a stigma. You know, let's change the conversation. Like if you have, if you're having these issues, you know, like talk about it or, you know, it's okay not to be okay. You know, uh, right. all these things you hear. And I think it's one thing to, to just kind of like the tweet and it's another mm-hmm. thing to really like, you know, become a part of the, of, of the, pardon the pun, movement of, of right. this, you know? And, and I think that that's really good for you as a, almost as a spokesperson for mental health issues with young people. Yeah, definitely. Or, and, or a role model, at least. Yeah, I, and it, it's been weird kind of assuming that position, you right. know? Like, because for so long, I didn't even know how to help myself. And yeah. I, I think a lot of times I still don't know how to help myself. So becoming that sort of spokesperson, becoming that, that advocate for, for other people has definitely been, um, an interesting transition and, and not something that I necessarily would have ever expected, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool though, because I know that, you know, the things that I'm doing are helping other people. And, um, I'm just glad that I can use my platform, you know, for something bigger and, and not just, not just for, some selfish like oh i'm 
I have, I'm famous, you know, like it's never been about that for me. It's always just been about like, um, I guess giving other people like what music has given me because, because for me, like I, for, for the, the music that, that I guess connected with me the most and, and the music that means the most to me is usually the music that's sad or like dealing with like, you know, more depressing aspects of life. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too, it man. It makes you feel less alone, you know? Yeah. And so, and so I think that's really what my goal was from the beginning with this band was just to be able to do that for other people. Right. So yeah, it's been cool. It's been really cool. Well, speaking of anxiety and, and, and all that, that side of things, how are you feeling about LP number two? Oh man, I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely nervous. Yeah. Um, it, it happens, I, man. I, I, like, and I went through it with Silverstein. We had a lot of success on our first record and, and I downplayed it. I, I, when I, people asked me in interviews, I was like, Oh no, 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 I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I was terrified. Yeah. And you know, and I no. talked to, talked to um, Brian from knocked loose on warp tour last year and he's, they're terrified of making their second record too. No, yeah, it's funny. I actually just listened to his episode of of this podcast yeah. like a few days ago. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had done one on Warped, and then I was like just going through. I was like, oh man, I actually haven't listened to Lead Singer Syndrome in a while. So I was going through like <laughs> which episodes I had missed, and I was like, oh shit, Brian did one. So I I listened to it. Yeah, and it's funny because because you mentioned you were like, yeah, you know, there's been so many bands where it's like that LP two is kind of a make or break. Like if you put out a shitty LP two, like that's it you're done like and so sorry and to so, yeah sorry to freak you out but it's pretty much oh, true no. there's almost dude, no you're, examples you're of, of so, a. you're so right yeah man. like it's it's so true so like i'm definitely nervous about it i i do think that we're capable as a band of creating something that will um surpass what feel something did for us but I think it's going to take a lot of work. <laughs> right. Well, I even read, I mean, I even read that you, you pretty much spent, I think you said 14 months writing and recording oh, yeah. that record. And that at the end of it, you were like, like Jesus Christ, thank God that's over basically, you know? No, totally. Yeah. I mean, and now you got to like, do it again. No, I know. With the stakes, yeah, when the stakes it, it, are like, higher. Writing and recording that record was probably the most emotionally draining and like, and physically, like, honestly, it was just draining yeah. in all aspects of my life, like emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. Like <laughs> I was just like, I was fucking drained at the end of that record. It just took so much out of me. And I think it was all for the, for the better. And, and, sure. and you know, I think we came out of it with a really, really great piece of, of art, but damn dude, like it was, it was tough. <laughs> like that, that record was really, really tough for me. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely nervous about what I'm going to do for LP two, but, um, you know, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna cross that bridge when we get to it. And, and once we start writing, typically things just sort of come to me, you know, and, and, um, I'm not going to try and force anything. Obviously, no. like if, if we're feeling like we're not ready to record, like we'll push it back. You right. know, we no, just want to, we want to we want to make sure that our next record is, is just as strong as it can possibly be. And, and if that means that it takes like another two years before we have any new music out, like so be it, you know? Mm, okay. You heard it here first kids. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean your songwriting approach, I mean the great songs on that record. 
Thank you. Really, really enjoyed the record. I think a lot of people were kind of turned their heads and were like, wow. Because it's a Thanks, it was a very man. impressive record, and one thing you're doing on Warp Tour is you're doing a TEI workshop where you yeah. actually you know teach songwriting 101. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if any bands are going to wander over and try to steal some uh, tips. <laughs> Dude, I would love that honestly, <laughs> I, and, and it's cool because I want it to be sort of like an open discussion, you know, sort of thing. It's not really so much of like a, this is what you need to do to write a good song. Like, sure, obviously. I'm going to give my tips, I'm going to give my pointers, and I'm going to, you know, talk to, you know, these younger musicians about, you know, um, having good song structure and good sonic flow to your music. But ultimately, like, I'm going to make sure that they know that there are no rules, you know, like, you can do whatever you want as long as you're happy with what you're making. And I would love for some band members to come over and and maybe be a part of that conversation and open up to see what their input would be. Hey man, I'll, as, I'll come over for a TEI workshop one dude, day. Sh- I would love that, I'll, man. Yeah. Do. If, if uh, I know you're doing it, like you're, you're swapping out your band members. I'll, I'll, I'll do, do a guest, uh, dude, a guest that spot. Would be, Cause that I, would be awesome. I did a TEI about songwriting. Uh, was it four? Yeah. Not last, not last tour, yeah, a warp tour we did, but in 2015. Yeah. And, uh, and I really enjoyed it too. You know, talking about everything from, you know, like you said, song structure to, all the way to like lyrics and and rhyming patterns and all these things that, you know, I think totally can, can help people. So I I, uh, I think that's cool that you're doing it, but it's going to be that's going to be like every day. That's going to be grueling too. another yeah, another is, thing on it, the schedule. It's another thing on the schedule. But at the same time, I'm really excited for it. Like um, I've always told myself that I would like to be a teacher someday, like. Right. Way later in life, once I'm done, you know, like I said, once I'm done with music, once I'm done with whatever else comes after music, like um, when I'm just like old and, and ready to just do nothing with anything, <laughs> I just want to go like teach. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, like whether it's teaching like high school music or, um, you know, I, I would love to do like a video production class or something for a high school. Like I just want to be a teacher because you know, like I said about my teacher, my choir teacher um, earlier in the the podcast, like he has left such an important impact on my life. And Keith Hancock, I remembered his, I remembered his name. It took me a second. Keith Hancock. Awesome awesome fucking guy. There you go. He's just, he, he has been such a, like a huge person in my life that like, again, I want, I want to sort of be that for somebody else because it's so important for kids in high school, young kids to, to have positive um, role models that they can look up to. Like, especially if like totally. you might not, if they might not have like a, a super strong home life or something, or if like they're, if they have problems with their dad, like I had with my dad, like having that strong role model is like so important. And literally like that kept me in school. You know what I mean? Right. So like it's right. so, it's so, so important. And, and I definitely would love to be a teacher someday for that reason. Um, so I think this will be neat because it'll be my first little experience teaching and, and yeah. kind of being able to talk to kids about what they want to know, you I, know, from I somebody guess, that actually does it. I, I guess, yeah, and I guess the the twelve year old um, Patrick Miranda that was terrified of public speaking that is that's gone. Yeah, he's so long gone. There man. you go. That's really good, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I have a couple fan questions here. Alright, uh, yeah. I, I, I post it almost for, for most of the episodes here with the with the All Access Club and sometimes I don't get much, but I got a lot. Um yeah. a lot of people wanted to ask you stuff here. So I kinda I'm kinda seeing where to dive in here. Uh stuff we haven't talked about. Uh I guess 
I'll, I'll give you this one from, from Brendan Potter. He says, uh, uh, Alzheimer's runs in my family and I connected with the song Deadly Dull a lot. Mm-hmm. Was it a hard song for you to write? Uh, and what did your family think of it? And how is your grandpa doing? That song is really, really um, important to me. And it, and it was really, really hard to write. Um, now, it's important that I, that I note here. So that song is actually about um, my girlfriend's grandparents. And basically, oh, okay. Okay. the story... No, it's all good. The story behind it is... Um, so my girlfriend and I, uh, we were doing like the long distance thing for a while. She's from Florida. Obviously, I'm from California. And the first time that I went to Florida, um, like not on tour, like obviously like we would, I would see her every time I'd be on tour and stuff. But the first time that I actually was like home from tour and took a vacation to go to Florida and like meet her whole family, like basically the first day that I was there, she was like, Hey, I'm really sorry, but like we have to go to the hospice center. Like my grandma's on her deathbed. And I was just like, fuck. Okay. Like and I was just, but I mean, I was like, I wasn't going to say no. I was like, all right, well, like yeah. we're doing this. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be like supportive of like this, 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 you know, this moment in your life because this is really important. So, you know, we went to the hospice center and, um, her grandmother had, uh, struggled with Alzheimer's for a really long time. And so does her grandfather, her grandfather's still alive. And basically we were there in the room with her and like, once she had passed, um, her grandpa didn't really understand, you know, he didn't yeah. really get that like she was gone and that like that she wasn't going to ever come back. And it's like it like w- when they had to like explain to him that she was that she she had died, like it would it just ruined him. And he was like crying and like like yeah. had his head on the wall saying like, no, like, don't say that. Like, don't say that. Like banging right. on the wall all this stuff. And it was just like the most heart wrenching thing. But then literally 30 minutes later, it was like nothing had happened. And he was like, all right, like, so can we go see G Like, where is she? Like he had just completely forgotten everything. And it, it, it was like the craziest thing to experience. Cause I was just like, Holy fuck. And, and then from that point on, they had to tell him every single day, if not multiple times a day, like, like Gramps, like Gmail's gone, you know, like she, yeah. she's not coming back. We can't go see her. And it, every time it would just like, it would destroy him. Yeah. And it, it would be the same thing. He would like, he would get super sad. And then he would just like end up like he would go sit on like their back patio for a while and just be by himself. And then he would forget. Yeah. And it would be done. It, it was, it was just the, the, the strangest, most intense, um, thing that I've ever had to, to, to see anybody deal with. So obviously I wanted to write a song that did them justice and, and, you know, um, told their story, but also, um, I guess didn't cross any sort of like boundaries of being too personal, you know? Right. That's, that's the, that's the pro like, I guess that's the, the, the thing you have to consider, right? Totally. When, you, when you're writing yeah. a song and it's obviously if, if it's something that you're going to I mean, you can write something and not say what it's about, but once you say what it's about, you have to almost, you know, there there could be a, an issue there. Perhaps someone could have an issue with it, putting Absolutely. that kind of stuff on on public display, right? So yeah. Now, thankfully, I mean, her so um, Alexis, my girlfriend, her whole family um, was extremely supportive of of me writing the song, and they all love the song, and they all think that it just is the perfect um, the perfect descriptor of of 
what that situation was like. So it was really cool. And they, they're all super supportive of me and, and, and all of this, but, um, yeah, man, it was tough to write that song because I yeah. wanted to, you know, I wanted to do it right. So, right. um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go on to the next little fan question here. Uh, Eric Layton asks, he often talks about the decision to scream less on this recent album. He says, because it hurts and I don't like doing it. Yep. But didn't you? <laughs> yeah, fuck screaming. But uh, didn't he work with Melissa Cross to learn to do it correctly? And even if it didn't hurt, would he still not want to do it anymore just as a purely musical decision? I did learn how to do it correctly, yes. Melissa Cross has helped me immensely. Um, she is heaven sent. That woman is yeah. literally a savior. She is the best. Um, but I, I think when I was saying like, oh, it hurts and I don't like it is like, it's, uh, it doesn't necessarily hurt my throat, but it's like, you're putting so much of your body into doing this fucking thing yeah. that it's like, it just becomes like exhausting to the point where like your stomach is aching and like, you know, like <laughs> my, like, I, I'm just like, I just don't like it. <laughs> um, just because like, I, I don't know, it's, it's just it was something that I really loved to do back in the day. And now I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm a singer, you know, I want to showcase my voice, my classical training that I have, because I know Keith Hancock is just, <laughs> just, just hearing me scream and destroy my vocal cords. Well, not anymore. I'm not destroying them anymore, but you know, I know he's hearing that and just being like, wow, everything I taught this kid is just going down the drain, huh? <laughs> and, there you go. And, and, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, like I said, <clears throat> like I said, I just, I wanted to showcase my singing because it's the thing that I'm most proud of about myself. Um, and I, and I think that moving forward, um, not again, not that I think that being super successful is like the end all be all for this band, but obviously we want longevity and, um, I think in order to be able to appeal to more people, screaming needs to be a little less prevalent okay. um, just because if you're going to get, you know, any sort of radio play or that sort of thing, like typically you won't get approved if you have screaming or, or that sort of thing. Again, not that it's about that sort of thing, but we would love, 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 love to be able to like have some sort of radio play just to be able to say like, damn, my band's on the fucking radio. That's um, so I think, well, that's I how you get, that's how you get the approval from the parents. The second yeah, the song's on the radio, that's what you need. Totally. That's yeah, it. 100%. Yep. That's when it's real. Yeah. So also I think that I, as a person have just kind of mellowed out a lot more. Yeah. I don't think I'm, Seemingly, I'm as angsty yeah. as I was. And, and, um, you know, I don't feel the need to scream anymore just cause, I don't know. I, I just, I like singing. It's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously. I, I, I really appreciate you asking me to come on. Of course, man. And, and uh, I always play music at the end of the show. I'd love to play maybe one of your favorite uh, movement songs. My favorite Do you movement have song? one? Maybe, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's one you want all the people <laughs> to hear. That maybe haven't you know checked out your band. Maybe it's a deep cut that you're proud of that doesn't get a lot of uh, you know attention. Uh, yeah. Could be anything. I I think honestly, like my favorite song to play live is um, a song called "Suffer Through." Okay, um, and I think that's like probably my favorite song on our record right now. Obviously, my favorite kind of like it's sort of 
fluctuates depending on like my mood or like <laughs> you totally. know whatever. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and play that. One. Let's rip it. All right, here's "Suffer Through" cool. by Movements on Lead Singer Syndrome.
So there is Patrick. What a nice guy. Just what a genuine dude. So honest about his own afflictions and problems. And I really love that. I feel like sometimes the younger generation are a little scared to open up. And the fact that he's just putting it all out there is really, really, really awesome. Make sure you go see Movements on the Warp Tour. They're on the entire thing. I will be there. Maybe he'll take me up on this songwriting class. I think he was just, you know, yanking my chain a little bit. But I'd love to sit in and hear what he has to say. Great songwriting on that Movements full length. And there's another one going to be coming. So get ready for that as well. Next week, we will be back with another episode. I can't tell you who it is, but stay tuned. Again, the struggle is real. Shout out to my sinners worldwide, all the members of the All Access Club. You know who you are, and I know who you are. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. Anyone want in? You want to join up? LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash All Access. Check it out. Another tune, you say? You want to hear more movements? I think I do, too. Why not? Let's bust it out. Here is Daylily on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next time. Outside for the first time in a long time Lose yourself sinking to the sunlight It's been a while since you felt right But the warm nights are coming soon and you'll be just fine You'll be just fine You said you can't